morning, everyone. Wasn't it good to sing together? Yes. So we're going to do things a little bit out of the normal today. Uh, we're going to do some testimonies. Um, got asked three of our members of our congregation to come share about their experiences over the last couple months and how God has been working through their hearts. Uh, before that, though, um, this is not a normal Sunday for several reasons, one of which is we have all of our children in with us. And for those of you that are freaking out about your children wandering around and being noisy, please stop it. Let them wander around. Let them be noisy. Let them experience the family of God. Uh, my name's Jackson, for those of you that don't know me. Um, and Zach asked a few of us, like he said, to kind of just go through what God has been doing in our life, life, lives, either one, our, our life, our hearts. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was thinking about it, and it was actually kind of a little bit challenging to, <laughs> to think about. This season has been kind of just weird and bizarre, so unfortunately I don't have uh, some puppet show like... Uh, presentation for you. I don't have something really nice and inspirational. It's kind of just um, a little bit more gritty than that. For me, the past couple months have, have been predominantly frustrating and confusing, um, and I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I have experienced some sort of warm feeling of peace or, uh, or reassurance that everything's going to be okay or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm, it kind of reminds me, when I was in the military, I was in Japan for a while, and uh, everybody in Japan was really scared that North Korea was going to gas them. So we'd keep these gas masks on us at all times, and we'd go through these really long drills that would take forever, and you couldn't really go home and do your own thing. And uh, anyways, these masks had these filters in them that are supposed to filter out the gas, and those were just uh, training filters that didn't do anything. But it was really important that we kept our mask on us and that we... Uh, had a miserable time for a long time. And I know it's probably not an accurate reflection of the season that we're going through right now, but that's what it feels like. Just want to take the mask off and go back, you know? And uh, I, know, I know a lot of people have, have actually endured some, some, some pretty big challenges during this time, um, whether it's losing businesses or jobs and, uh, or losing family members. Um, it's just kind of a at best, strange and confusing, and at, at worst, a dark and trying time for a lot of people. Um, so I, I just wanted to read a little bit from Psalm 88. You can turn there if you'd like. If not, uh, it's okay. I'll read it for you. Um, but I like this psalm because uh, it's, it's just it's real. It's authentic. I think a lot of times when we feel confusion or we feel frustration especially, or doubt even, uh, those are some things that we feel like uh, are out of place in our life and that we shouldn't take before the Lord when we're upset about things, um, outraged even at injustice or policy or a disease or whatever it is. Um, one thing I forget is to take those things to God. When I get angry or frustrated, um, I often just let it steep and compress it down rather than... Um, giving that to God. One thing my wife tells me all the time when I talk about things like that is she asks me, well, did you pray about it? Did you take it to the Lord? And it's kind of like when I, I want to go work out a lot of times, but when she says, well, were you going to go to the gym today? 
I no longer want to work out because she told me. <laughs> it's kind of like that with God sometimes where I know that I should be bringing things before him and when it's voiced, my pride kind of gets in the way. But I think it's an important reminder about who God is in this psalm. So uh, it starts off in verse one. Oh Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. It's kind of what I feel like with this haircut right now. I'm waiting for my barber to open back up. Uh, I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My, my companions have become darkness. So a nice encouraging psalm for you this morning. Um, the part where he talks about, I suffer your terrors, I am helpless. That's interesting. You know, that little puppet video that was talking about how God is in charge of everything. Uh, that's really nice when things go well, but when things don't go well, it kind of seems to backfire sometimes internally, emotionally. You could start to be frustrated at God, or you could start to doubt his sovereignty. And so to come to the place where you rejoice in his sovereignty and you trust in his sovereignty um, and embrace what he has for you and look to him in it is a challenging thing to do. But one encouragement that I would have for all of you today, something I've been struggling to do, but I need to remind myself of, is that God can handle our frustrations and uh, he can handle our doubts and when things go wrong, we can turn to him. We can trust in him. And so maybe this past couple months for you has been more of a season of, of, of fear or a season of loss. Maybe you know somebody that has lost a loved one or you've lost a loved one yourself or just have been scared of, of, of a sickness that is a frightening thing. Um, or maybe it's a frustrating season and time for you, fear of losing your business, fear of losing your job, struggling financially, seeing others struggle financially, disagreeing with policy, whatever the place that you're in. Um, but God is transcendent over those things. And despite our heart's inclination to run from him, like I often do, um, as my wife reminds me and as I need to remind myself and as we should all remind each other to, to turn to God, to voice these things to him, to be real throughout this process with him because he is our father and he loves us and he has what's ultimately best for us in mind. So... That's all I have to say. Uh, welcome Kara up to share what she has to say. Give it up for Kara.
Um, I'm going to read what I wrote, because otherwise that would be what would happen for me. <laughs> Everything would come crashing down. Um, I don't know about you, but I went through the whole gamut of emotions during this pandemic or our stay-home orders. Um, it began with fear and anxiety when the pandemic began to unfold, especially after learning that one of my dad's caretakers in his retirement um, community came down with COVID. Um, thankfully, he stayed healthy and so did all the other residents and employees. But then as time went on, I began to feel skeptic and frustrated and furious why we had to continue to stay home. But interspersed between those two extremes and various other feelings, I felt peace. Really only a peace that could be explained away by the Holy Spirit. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making life new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. So the promise of heaven is where I find my peace. The way God has been working in my life and in my heart during this pandemic actually began two years ago. Um, two years ago, my mom became extremely ill. She was diagnosed with brain cancer, and quickly after, uh, she passed. But I lost my place. Um, none of us saw it coming, and if I'm honest, there's still days that I'm still in shock over how quickly she was once healthy and then gone. Um, her passing, though, for many reasons, was kind of a catalyst for Jack and myself to uh, think through and pray over our goals for our family. We desired a slower pace of life, one in which we could own land for our kids to run around, dig a hole in, and just play and be kids. Um, an opportunity for us to grow and produce some of what our family needed, and then to learn as many uh, basics as a family that had been lost on our, our, in our society. Those dreams led us moving away from Seattle area to here this last year. Um, when Governor Little declared stay home orders, not much really changed for us. We were already homeschooling and our lifestyle had already slowed. So really, besides losing our few extracurricular activities, um, for our kids, our life looked pretty normal on the outside. That being si said, I find myself reflecting on the what could have beens um, if we were still living in our previous home and in the neighborhood, in the town that neighbors the hub or the hotspot, mind you, of the coronavirus outbreak in Seattle. It has led me to pray daily in Thanksgiving for leading us here and the things he has provided. In the two weeks leading up to the pandemic and Idaho's closure, though, um, a few health things came up. I had fallen and gotten a concussion. A week later, later Harley, our daughter, um, fell and split open her head. And within that week, the two separate urgent care vi uh, visits were completely um, different experiences with all of the um, uh, with all the things that hospitals were putting into place for caring for coronavirus patients. And that in that moment is when fear set in for me. Um, 
And then shortly after Harley's incident, a few days later, I woke up um, with an irregular heart rhythm, a heart condition called AFib, a condition most commonly found in men over the age of 65. I've had episodes over the years, but this was the first time I had multiple episodes in just one year. So I was anxious and worried about what it could possibly mean for my health. Up until that point, my experiences with AFib had always resulted in needing a procedure called cardioversion. My heart would not respond to medication to slow it down, and doctors won't just let you go home if you come in with a heart rate of 180 plus. So um, for that reason, it's for risk of stroke. So I've had my heart stopped and restarted multiple times. This last episode, though, was different. My heart rate wasn't higher than um, in that higher range. It was just a real wacky rhythm. Not experiencing this version before, we headed to the ER like normal. And then while there, we were set up in a room, and I was set up for monitoring, and we sat there for a while. Um, so Jack and I took that kid-free opportunity, thank you awesome neighbors, um, to set some health goals for the coming weeks. Uh, one's to work for a stronger and healthier heart for myself. Within the next couple weeks, I stumbled across a group of friends who met up remotely for some daily morning workouts. Um, and it was the exact motivation and accountability that I needed. God provided that outlet necessary for strengthening I was seeking. He provided. And it's not lost on me that a strong and healthy heart is also one grounded and rooted in his word. So not only did God provide the opportunity for proper physical heart health, he also provided two wonderful opportunities to meet via Zoom and dive into his word and discuss and grow with friends. One with women in our small group here, local, and another one with some dear friends back home. I think a lot of people have found a reset in priorities during this time. Quality time with family, uh, learning a new skill, or putting their skills to work for their communities. Seeing Facebook and Instagram filled with people that are using their giftings to bless others, filling food banks, musicians filling feeds, news feeds with encouragement, truth seekers sharing truth, seamstresses sewing masks, homeschool moms coming alongside public school parents, offering resources, restaurants pivoting towards takeout, and birthday parties shifting to cards being sent in parades. Um, I just have found such a great peace in seeing how communities can work together in such a bizarre time, one that we've never experienced in our lifetime. So with that, I'll welcome Brian. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian, and just like Kara, I had to write this down because, well, you know. Um, so. When Zach uh, kind of approached me to talk about this, I had Jackson's initial thought of, well, I don't feel like I'm quite affected the same as other people. Um, a lot of you I may know I work as a physician assistant up in Newport, Washington. So my job is fairly secure. My work hours really didn't change much. Um, really nothing changed for me personally, but what I did, what I thought of, and, and as I was really trying to ponder this, I knew that this was a good idea for me to talk because God has worked in my life, but pinning it down was a little bit more of a challenge. And I kind of came to this realization. I, I thought back during the beginning stages, and even though my work hadn't changed, my patient demographic had. I went from seeing a lot of uh, medical illness and and 
basic urgent care stuff that just kind of dropped off. And it ended up being just a lot of mental health, a lot of depression and anxiety related to this. And Newport, Washington is extremely rural. It's one of the most rural and underserved counties in Washington. Uh, we only have three COVID cases, and all of those are actually from Spokane anyways. So we, uh, we really weren't quite equipped for how to deal with all of this. And I just had been feeling it weighing on my heart that, God, I, don't, I, I know how to treat disease, and I know how to talk to people, I know how to prescribe this, but what am I supposed to do with this? And I felt like, <laughs> I felt like um, he just told me to, to listen. And I know my personality type is uh, I like challenges. I like to put in effort. I'm pretty competitive by nature. And so God's saying, listen. I'm like, all right, I got this. I'm going to listen better than anybody. And I'm like focused in. He's like, no, no, no. Just listen and just be. Like, all right, all right, I'm going to be still. I'm going to, okay, ready? Here we go. Go, talk to me. I'm listening. And like back and forth, back and forth over weeks until I finally just, just broke. Like, God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not understanding what I'm supposed to do. And I felt like, I felt like at that moment, he grabbed me by the shoulders and just looked in my eyes and said, just stop. Just, just be. And I think that was the moment where I, I realized that even though that's this washing machine that we live in, this washing machine of unnecessary, urgent distractions and craziness that we just have gotten used to living in, although this had stopped, I hadn't. My heart and my mind hadn't. So I felt like I just really needed to be still, that I could continue doing what I was doing, but be still and rest and be present in before he was going to teach me how to be the non-anxious presence that, that my patients in this community needed in this time of fear and chaos, how to be present with him in his peace. How else was I going to be able to hear the still, small whisper of the Holy Spirit? So I realized that he's using this time for me as a, a detox of sorts um, to rid me of the distractions that I have that I've welcomed into my life, both the frivolous and the meaningful. Um, my family's calendar, they were, it was wiped clean. My wife homeschools, and again, extracurricular activities like Kara talked about, just gone, stopped. Um, we weren't crazy busy, and, and we weren't doing anything wrong or, or bad, but what had filled our calendar was so much uh, what I call purposeless good. It was good things that don't serve a purpose for what our family is called to do. And to have that cleared and reprioritize, relook at the call that God has on our family and to reschedule and to reorient around him as our central goal and around his purpose for our family as our central goal. Um, and the the dance classes and the PE classes and the, the activities, the, the fellowshipping with friends is what we used to, to call it. But really, it was just a lot of get-togethers. That It was so much that it was, it was so many different directions, there was no depth. And that just really served to just drain us and to leave us feeling wanting. And so through all of this, we had that stopped, and we started re-looking at 
what matters and what our call is. Um, that we're returning to this, potentially returning to this time of normalcy. Um, look back at what I went through, and the, the main thought that keeps burning in me is, don't let this be for nothing. You've already done the intimidating part, the detox part, the part that you feared. How are you going to carry this momentum through to live a different life in the world that's returning? So for our family, we've prioritized our daily quiet time and Bible reading, something that we really were not good about. Um, we've actually started including our kids in it and discipling, purposefully discipling our kids. And, and one of the biggest things, and, and this has really been helpful for our peace and our recuperation, is Sabbath. Really understanding what it means to observe it and enjoy it. Use, use this time to rest and recuperate, enjoy what God has given us, and enjoy his presence. So I just want to encourage you that in a very trying time for most of us, the hard part is mostly over. Now we have the opportunity to carry this good momentum and not let all the hard work that happened during this time happen in vain. Uh, the scripture that God was giving me as I was thinking about this is uh, one from Isaiah. It's 43, 19. And it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not, or now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God's using this time, at least for our family, and I know for some of you, as a time of guiding us through this wasteland and this, this confusing wilderness that's our world. So let's just make sure we carry this through and, and use it for what he's intended for. Thank you guys for sharing your heart with us, for sharing your experiences. I don't have a whole lot to add this morning, but before we close... It is Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday that the church has traditionally taken to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit on his people, the birth of the church. And I think it's super fitting to, to read the story of 120 people afraid and uh, closed off in a room one minute and then exploding out into the city the next minute with news that the world that the world is brand new that the world is different than it used to be and that it will never be the same I always give Bill the long scripture readings <laughs> and we're not going to go through all of Acts chapter 2 but but we read it this morning and What I want to say is that it's easy here as it is with many other pages of the Bible to go, oh, that's a story about something that God did back then. Isn't that nice? But the thing is, when this small group of people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's the same Holy Spirit that we as followers of Christ are filled with today. Pentecost was an amazing 
moment for the church, but it's not a singular moment for the church. It's a moment that reworks itself out generation after generation in every heart that turns from their sins and follows Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the gift that we're all given. The power of God lives inside of us. It's been interesting to think about and it's been the language of, of the governor and, and, and the president and everything about reopening. And it's easy to, to think about reopening the church. And when are we going to reopen the church? I've read stories and, and seen um, signs of restaurants and other businesses that are not going to reopen. They couldn't weather this storm financially and they're closed for good. The church doesn't reopen. The church can't be closed. Sure, we, we shut this building down for a couple months, mostly to just fix the floor. I mean, honestly, we could have been back sooner. But we, we don't get shut down. We've been looking at it in the Gospel of Matthew. We cannot be shut down. The gates of hell won't prevail against Jesus' church. The power of the Holy Spirit in us will propel us forward on the mission that Jesus has us on. When Peter stands up for his first sermon and he addresses this crowd, he quotes, that was a good one. He quotes prophecy from the book of Joel and he says, this is the end. These are the last days. The spirit of God is being poured out on God's sons and God's daughters and they're going to do amazing things. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That was 2,000 years ago, but we're still in the last days. The plan of God to rescue a people for himself is in its final stage. There's no other steps in the process. Jesus has come. Jesus has lived on our behalf. He has died for our sins and he rose from the dead to make us fit for his kingdom and to adopt us into his family. And now he says, go out and tell everyone you know the good news. I am the king. I am on the throne and I am making the world new. And this is, where, this is where we are at this moment in history in 2020, at the, in this weird season coming out of this pandemic. And the hope that the world needed in Jerusalem that day is the same hope that they need today. And you and I, those of us who have bowed our knee to Jesus, we have that hope. And I, ho I hope that, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and, and, and the, the podcaster was interviewing a, um, 
an infectious disease expert, and he was laying out options for this virus, and one of them was it's just going to fizzle out and be done. That's the one that I'm hoping for. But he also said it could kick back up and, and things could be shut down again, and I don't even know. But, but the thing is, as we feel like maybe we've weathered this storm, like Brian was saying, how many people in our community aren't bouncing back? They've lost their jobs. Maybe they, maybe they haven't lost their jobs, but they've been cooped up inside and their depression has flared up and their anxiety is overwhelming and they don't have any hope. We have hope. And as we re-engage at work and at school and in the park with our neighbors, be on the lookout to share that hope. Because it's what Peter says is changing the world. The end of this chapter, Luke gives us the consequences of this sermon. 3,000 people say, I want to follow Jesus. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship with one another and to the communion meal and to prayer. And they become this witness in their, their, this city. Not, not necessarily everybody wants to be a Christian at this point because Christians are weird. Christians have always been weird. But everybody goes, there's something about you guys. Fear and awe fill the neighborhood. And church, I, I just want that to be our story. As we get back to maybe a little bit more of what normal looks like. My challenge this morning is, is as, as the people were devoted to, to some things, what are we devoted to? Are we devoted to this? And I don't mean this building, and I don't even mean getting together on Sunday mornings. That, that's great, and I'm glad we're here. But are we devoted to one another as God's people? Where does your energy go? Where does your time go? What do you think about? Who do you hang out with? Who are you praying for? What are the things that fill you with joy? What are the things that make you angry, make you sad? Traditionally, I've heard you, you, can, you can figure out what your allegiance is if you look at your checkbook and your calendar. What do you spend your money on and where do you spend your time? I would add to that, what do you post on your social media feed? What riles you up? What makes you excited? What can't you wait to share with people? I know that's convicting to me because I want to be a person that can't wait to share the good news about Jesus. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.